So there was once a rabbi who heard about a preacher who had gained notoriety by giving the world's longest sermon. Not wanting to duplicate that feat, and perhaps more importantly, not wanting to put everyone in the congregation to sleep, the rabbi decided that he would preach the world's shortest sermon instead. In the weeks leading up to the holidays, he shared the big news with the congregation in e-blasts, social media, and in person. Come to shul and hear the shortest sermon ever. In the weeks leading up to the holidays, as he shared this news, he then sat down to write and realized that perhaps he had overpromised. The task was harder than it sounded. How to say something meaningful, something impactful, something true, while at the same time making it short. Every rabbi's problem. As Rosh Hashanah drew closer and closer, he found himself living iconic mathematician Blaise Pascal's words that he would have written shorter, but he didn't have the time. As every day passed, the rabbi worked harder and harder, missing dinners and bedtimes. Everything he thought worthy to say needed more notation, more explanation. One morning, in the quiet hour before sunrise, his youngest child crawled into bed and cuddled up with him. Suddenly, it clicked. The morning of Rosh Hashanah, the rabbi stood up before the congregation, cleared his throat, and said, love, and then sat down. My sermon this morning is a little longer. <laughs> but if you want the Cliff Notes version, if someone asks you at lunch today, what did the rabbi speak about? That's it, love. I was thinking a lot about this story because it's easy to say that there's one true message in life, love. In fact, Rabbi Akiva says something similar. The greatest principle of the Torah is ve'ahavta l're'echa kamocha. Love your neighbor as yourself. So lilting, so lyrical, so inspiring. Until along come the rabbinic commentators and ask, uh, so what exactly constitutes love? And therein lies the rub. Love is both so obvious, so inspiring, so lifting, and sometimes so hard. A few weeks ago, I had a tough morning. I came into shul carrying an ache that I knew in my head I should shake off, but my heart wouldn't let go. The night before, my five-year-old, Benjamin, had misbehaved in shul. 
interrupting the service not once, but three times. The first time, I patiently explained to him what was expected of him in this sacred space. The second time, I handed it over to a higher power, my mom, <laughs> who must have some wisdom, I figured, because she clearly figured out how to get me to sit through shul. The third time, it was three strikes and you're out. After services, I calmly explained to Benjamin that he would not be returning until I could trust him to behave at a minimum one month. He was devastated. If only my teenagers would feel that way. <laughs> he promised me that he would change. He pleaded with me to give him another chance, and I agreed I would give him another chance in a month. The next morning, I awoke to two little eyes staring at me from my bedside. Emma, he said mournfully, I don't feel like you love me. Way to cut to the heart, kid. <laughs> no matter how many times I explain that I love him more than he could even begin to fathom, no matter how many times I explain that it is because I love him, that it is my job to teach him how to behave in ways that respect everyone, no matter how many times I cited the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> he came right back to me. I don't feel like you love me. No matter what I said, in his eyes, I was flunking Parenting 101. By the time I came to shul, I was disheartened. Of course, my head reminded me it's my job to say no, and it's his job to say he doesn't like that. But as we prayed, I kept turning it over and over in my heart. I don't feel like you love me. Because this is not just a five-year-old's problem. On some level, it's a universal problem. Marriages break up. I don't feel like you love me. Family, relationships sour. I don't feel like you love me. Bullying, stealing, epic, courtroom, drama, even nations at war. If we believe a long line of therapists from Freud to today, most dysfunction emerges from, I don't feel like you love me. Love, how to feel it and how to give it in a way that is felt is a fundamental challenge at the core of all our lives. And there are any number of experts who expound on that challenge. Gary Chapman, for example, argues that there are five love languages, receiving gifts, spending time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. If one person 
is speaking one love language and the other can only understand another, we misconnect. Chapman might argue that my affirmation language, telling my son he was loved, didn't land because he needed to hear the love language of action. Dr. John Gottman could instead apply the principle of bids for affection. If you see each disruption as a bid for attention and affection, it's obvious resisting results in resistance. Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt might counsel, as they argue in their book, Giving the Love That Heals, that responding to fundamental wounds with affirmation. This is how the other person feels. Without responding on the merits is the holiest work of healing that we can all give. Together in this room, we could probably add countless other sage pieces of advice for alternative paths. Each has wisdom, each has truth. And at this point, as a rabbi, I want to pull out a gotcha moment and say, but the Torah has the ultimate truth. The Torah has the greatest wisdom on relationships. And then I sit down to the texts that we've been reading all of Rosh Hashanah. Forget love languages. Forget affirmation. Forget bids for affection. The family we just read about this past week can't even look each other in the eye. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac put the dis in dysfunction. And they come by it honestly. Our story echoes back through time all the way back to the very first brothers. Cain looks at God's delight at Abel's offering and disappointment in his and lashes out in an incohate, murderous cry, I don't feel like you love me. Do you know when the Torah's first usage of the word love comes in? Do you know? In our second day of Rosh Hashanah reading, when God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. We've spent thousands of years trying to process that one. If there is a message of the Torah here, it seems to be, you don't feel loved, well, join the club. But thankfully, that's not where the Torah leaves us. Today is called Shabbat Shuvah, the Shabbat of return. At the core of that return, repeated three times in our Parsha, is Ahava, love. What kind of love? If we read our Torah today closely, we see that Ahava is love shown by action. Again and again, our sacred texts ask us, for all the times we don't feel loved, don't stop there. Take that pain 
and use it as motivation to show love to others, to do more for others. You are left out, include. You seek forgiveness, forgive. You are oppressed, be kind. You are enslaved, fight for freedom. You were hurt, do better. Answer a world with too much hate, with too much indifference, by creating day by day, deed by deed, a world suffused with love. How do we create that kind of world? Author Raphael Zoller, whose father passed away when he was quite young, left him a box of letters, one for each occasion that his father could imagine Raphael would face without him. The letters guided Raphael throughout his life, including his first teenage fight with his mother when he pulled out the card that his father had written so many years ago, which read, when you have the worst fight with your mom. It said, apologize to her. I don't know why you're fighting and I don't know who's right, but I know your mother. So a humble apology is the best way to get over this. And I'm talking about a down on your knees apology. She's your mother, kid. She loves you more than anything else in this world. Do you know that she went through natural childbirth because someone told her it would be best for you? Have you ever seen a woman giving birth? <laughs> Do you need bigger proof of love than that? Apologize. She'll forgive you. And of course, she did. And of course, I did. So love is not a short sermon. It is a long one that each of us delivers day by day. It is a complicated one full of rewrites and edits. But ultimately, it is the most important one that any of us can deliver. And as this season reminds us, none of us knows how much time we have left to make our love heard. So we'd better start right now. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>